0: Well this morning we 're going to be uh, concluding a series that we 've been in for a couple of months, but before we do that, I want to talk about uh, what 's coming up starting next week inside your worship folder. You should have a little blue a uh, little blue uh, postcard that looks like this and uh, be salt and light. did you figure that one out? you know not that hard but, but the sub text the the kind of the subtitle here is really where where the challenge is you're like be salt and light everybody knows that right everybody knows jesus said you're the salt of the earth be be the light of the world everybody knows that that's the easy part the subtitle how to engage a changing culture so here's the idea how do you say anything today to anybody How do you say anything in this politicized, polarized society that we live in? How can you talk about anything? How do we do that? How are we as Jesus' followers supposed to be salt and light in this world? Did Jesus really know what it was going to be like in 2017 in the United States of America when he said, be salt and light? Well, he did, and there are actually some interesting examples in the Bible of salt and light in a culture that's changing like ours is. And so we want to figure out how to do that. We can't just retreat. So we want to figure out how to engage in the culture that we live in today, and that's what we're going to be talking about starting next Sunday. So this is for you, to remind you, but it's also for you to take. We've got copies throughout the building. You can take one of these, hand it to a friend, uh, someone that you'd like to, you think would appreciate being part of this conversation so this is for you but always these are also also meant to be invitations for you to use to uh, bring others with you all right well let's open our bibles to first john chapter 3 first john 3 so it's one of the little letters at the end towards the end of your bible and today we're going to be uh really we're going to have just a simple simple time together it's pretty straightforward We're going to culminate the conversation that we've had the last two months. We're going to culminate it in uh, a time of worship through communion. Now, we've been talking about God's church, your family. And we've been uh, discussing what it means to be famlified, what it means that we have been made part of God's family. And we've kind of looked at some, you might call it the theological foundation, the underpinnings of this idea. But then we've gone to some of the practical outworkings of the idea, and today what we're going to do is we're going to see the truth that that it's at its core, the one truth that holds everything that we've said, everything that we've talked about over the last two months, the one truth that holds it all together. So this has been an important subject, and when I entered this subject and when we first started talking about it, I said that my my desire is that God would use this to transform our faith family, that we would become a different church. In part because of the things that we've processed together in this study. And that's what I hope God will do. We've talked about what it means to be famlified. That when you turn to Jesus and you turned away from depending on your own self and your own goodness before God. And instead... Turn to Jesus as the one that God sent, as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, that not only did you have your sins forgiven, not only were you promised eternity in heaven, but at the same time, you were familified, you were made part of a big family. God adopted you into his family as, as your father, and he's given you brothers and sisters, every other Jesus follower, a brother as a brother or a sister in God's family, and but then it goes one step further, and God has actually called us to manifest that family belonging in the context of a local faith family, what we today would call a church, a collection of Jesus, a collection of brothers and sisters who together are following Jesus, and uh, being part of this faith family is really one of the blessings that comes with, uh, one of the blessings that comes with being. Uh, adopted by God. Sometimes when some people hear the idea, oh, now that you've been familyfied now in the local church and now you got to be, oh, wow, that sounds like a hassle to me. It's actually one of the blessings that comes with belonging to God's family is that you now have a, a place and a people that you belong to. It's one of the blessings that God gives us in this life, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters in this room who love us, care about us, brothers and sisters, that we can love and we care about. And this isn't just family like sometimes we think of family in 21st century America. This is strong group family. This is family like most of the rest of the world thinks about family today and has throughout history. Strong group connections so that being part of this family is more important than my own individual well-being. Uh, our, Your individual well-being is not as important as the well-being of this whole faith family. That's, that's the kind of family God has called us to, where, where we're not just officially got the last, same last name, but we actually put, put each other first. We actually put the group ahead of our own individual desires. That's the kind of family God's called us to. And now our identity as brothers and sisters surpasses any other identity we have. The fact that we are Jesus followers together is more important than our race, It's more important than our ethnic background. It's more important than our educational background. It's more important than what generation we were born from. The fact that we are Jesus' followers is more important than anything else. And that's the family that God's put us into. And, And as part of God's family, the one trait that we're to manifest above all others is God's primary identification, his, God's primary identification mark. You know, the, the one trait that, that marks him more than any other is supposed to mark us as his children, and that is love. And the fact that God's primary quality is love is supposed to translate into, you know, we're supposed to look like dad, and that's supposed to be our primary marker. We're to be devoted to each other in brotherly love as children of a God who is love. And Jesus commands us to do this. He says, I'm giving you a new command. And we talked about what that meant, this new command. That it's for a new era, but also it's new because there's a new standard. And the new standard that Jesus gave us is you're supposed to love me like I have loved you. And a standard like that, Jesus' love for us, that kind of standard has never been, uh, we've never seen any kind of love like that. And now we're supposed to love like that, and that's to be our primary characteristic. And then you remember the last several Sundays, we've taken it one step further because we're reminded that, that uh, love, it's easy to talk about love, but love isn't talk. Love is action. Love is doing something about it. And so when we really love someone, it's, it's not an idea that that we just hold in our head, it's something we actually, it's a way that we actually behave towards one another. And if we're to really love each other, it's supposed to be more than just a beautiful thing that we talk about, but it's actually supposed to be something that we put into action. So we talked about going low and serving each other. That's one way we show love for each other, going low and serving. We talked about talking slow, right, being slow to speech, and preserving unity in the faith family by the way we talk to each other and the way we talk about each other. So, so we, we, we go low and we talk slow and then we don't let go. We persevere in our relationships. We go past the point of difference with each other. We go past the point of friction and conflict and we stay united in relationship with each other because that's where love really manifests itself and that's really where you're able to grow and I'm able to grow as we don't bail on each other and go our separate ways because one day we had a little bit of an argument but instead we stay in relationship with each other and that grows you and that grows me and that's how we love each other. That's how we put love as an ideal, into an action. That kind of covers it. A lot of the things that we've talked about over the last several Sundays. But there's still, there's still one kind of nagging question that you might have. And that nagging question might be, does it really have to be that way? <laughs> Why, why does it have to be like that exactly? You know, I mean, I want to have a relationship with God, but I really am not excited about having a relationship with His people, you know? Or, why can't I just do this on my own? I talk to a lot of people who, who say, I kind of do it, you know, on my own. Um, I, I actually run into a bunch of times when that happens, because when people find out you're a pastor, they're quick to both identify with you, and at the same time say, here's why you don't ever see me, okay? <laughs> so I was actually, yeah, I can think of several instances, just in the last few weeks, where they're like, oh, we're with you, but here's why we're not with you, you know, and and they say, I love Jesus, and I, and I, I like to worship God, and, and you know, like, the, the mountains are my church, I get that a lot, Uh the mountains are my church, but um, because because we we don't understand what comes with what comes with following Jesus and being made part of God's family, and we're like, why does it have to look like that? And why why? Okay, I can understand why we're supposed to love each other, but isn't it supposed to be easier than this? It should be more natural, and and it shouldn't be this hard. And so we still have this kind of nagging. Why? I don't really know that it has to be everything you're saying, it's supposed to be, Brad. That just doesn't have to be, you know. Why is it hard? Why do I have to go low? Why can't someone go low for me? Why do I have to go low? Why do I have to forgive people? Why do I have to be patient and practice endurance in the context of relationships with people? Why? There's a, there's a really simple answer to that. We're going to put all those doubts to rest today because there's a really easy answer to why it is this way. A really easy answer that I hope we will always take with us, that I hope this morning we'll just really bring it home in, in, a, in a way that you will never forget. We have actually gone to this reason almost every Sunday, whether you've noticed it or not. We've gone to this reason almost every Sunday, and the reason is simply this. You know why it has to be this way? Why we have to love like this? The reason is because we are beneficiaries of love like this. That's why. We're the beneficiaries. We follow the embodiment of this kind of love. The literal embodiment of this kind of love, and His name is Jesus. Now, we've seen it several times, but today we're just going to focus on it as we prepare for communion. We follow the embodiment of this kind of love. In Philippians, we see this kind of love. And we've looked at this passage. We looked at it at Christmas for several Sundays, four Sundays in a row at Christmas from one angle. But, but since we started this Sunday, we've looked at the same passage in Philippians uh, from another angle. And, and it's the reminder that we follow the embodiment of this kind of love. So just to remind you, Philippians said this, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others, strong group family. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He's our example. And here's what he did. Who being in very nature God, remember this big descent, the giant descent that Jesus goes on here? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we looked at that passage. We've been in that passage for several months, really, when you just when you kind of string it out. And today we're going to leave this passage. I don't know when the next time is. We'll make reference to Philippians 2. But I hope that you will always remember that in Philippians chapter 2, there's a picture of Jesus and his descent for us. And it's the same kind of descent that's supposed to mark us. We, why do we have to love like this? Because we follow the embodiment of this kind of love. We also saw it. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples. And in between, he, we saw him wash their feet. Everyone's standing around, no one's doing anything. They're getting ready to have dinner, this awkward moment. And Jesus breaks the awkwardness and adds to it at the same time by putting a towel around his waist and washing their feet. And then, later on, he, that night he's arrested and 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 put on trial, and beaten, and ultimately crucified. And between washing feet and being crucified, Jesus said this in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, between washing feet and dying on a cross, Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this... All men will know that you are my disciples. The simple reason that we are called to love each other like this is because we follow the embodiment of love like this. That's why. We follow the embodiment of that kind of love. And if following Jesus is what we're about, then sacrificial love is going to be what we do. Let me say that again. If following Jesus is what we're about, and and probably most of us, that's why we're here, because following Jesus is what we would say we're about. If following Jesus is what we're about, then sacrificial love is what we do. And we see that in John 3.16. John 3.16. Not the one you're thinking of, probably. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's a great John 3.16, but that's not the one we're going to look at this morning. We're just going to spend a little bit of time thinking about the other John 3.16. It's 1 John 3.16, where you've opened your Bibles. Now, it's written by the same man, John, the Jesus follower, probably Jesus' closest companion of the twelve. And he writes these words in John 3.16. He says, This is how we know What love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. See, here's the deal of all people, we know what love is. We know what love is. As a matter of fact, that's the one thing that we all have in common. That's the one thing that brings us here this morning is we know what love is. How do we know what love is? Well, come on. We follow the one who defined it. We follow the one who perfectly modeled it, and we are the ones who've benefited from it. So we know what love is because we have personally experienced it, and it's changed our lives. We've experienced it. It's changed our lives and it's what so it's it's like your life's most important truth that that you have been made new by who Jesus by what Jesus has done for you. In the same way, it's the most important truth that defines our relationship with each other, that Jesus laid down his life for you and Jesus laid down his life for us. So what that means is what that means is we've experienced this kind of love. We've seen this kind of love modeled, and we have uh, received its benefits. It's the organizing principle, can't think of a better word, for this group of people coming together. I mean, of all people, who knows what love is? We do. We know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. If we know what love is then we should know how to model it for each other. Not just know how, we should practice. We should be people who model it. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Why? Why, why does love have to be so hard? Why does it have to be so sacrificial? Why can't it be easier? Because we know what love is. We know what real love is. And real love is defined by laying down our lives on each other's behalf. It's who we are. If you went to a book club, some group in town, they get together and they discuss a book, You know, they, or at least they call themselves a book club, and you get together with them and they just have tea and cookies. Uh, what, what else would you expect to happen at some point in that evening? You would expect them to talk about a book, right? Because they're a book club. That's what book clubs do. They appreciate books together, and they talk about books. If you went to a gardening club here in Walla Walla, what would you expect to define that, those relationships? Gardening on some level, right? You would expect. If you went to a, uh, if you went to a line, you know, line dancing, they advertised line dancing. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I got roped into that accidentally once at the park where we were just like, they started line dancing and they didn't have enough people. And so they came over, ended up being Barbara Clark, you know, if you know who that is, and a couple other people. And they're like, come, we need some more people. And like, all of a sudden you're line dancing, you know, not like this exactly, but uh, <laughs> it didn't look a lot better than that. You're line dancing. You would expect that people who say, we're going to get together and line dance, you would expect that that's what they would do. Because that's what their club is about. Well, do you know what our community, what, what we're founded on, what we're about? We follow someone who laid down his life. That's why we come together every week. We follow someone who laid down his life. What would you expect us to do then as people who follow someone who laid down it? You would expect that we would be people who lay down our lives for each other. That's what brings us together. Of all people, we know what love is. And because we know what love is, we practice it. We go low. We talk slow. We don't let go of relationships. And we lay down our lives for each other. Now this is important. Important. In a way, we're concluding this series, but in a way we're not, because when we start talking next week about how to engage a politicized, polarized culture, and how to even talk to people who are alienated by the idea of Christianity, I'll tell you what, we're not leaving this discussion behind, because Jesus said, this is how... People who are skeptical of me will know that you are my disciples by your love for each other. So even as we go into the subjects that lie ahead and the growth that God has for us ahead and thinking about how to engage our valley in increasing ways, even though everybody's sensitive, we will still be building on what we've talked about. Because if we, if we want to look like Jesus, then we will love like Jesus. And it's our defining trait. So today, as we take communion, as we worship Jesus through communion, we're going to remind ourselves that this same love that's shown for us is how we are to love each other. So communion today is both vertical. It's vertical. This morning we're going to be worshiping Jesus for how He loved us. And we have this picture. We're going to have this picture of of a broken a broken body. Jesus took body on the night that uh, took bread on the night that he was betrayed, and he broke it. And he said, "This is my body, and it's going to be broken for you." And he broke it, or he broke the bread as a picture of his broken body. This is a picture of how you have been loved. Jesus allowed his body to be broken. On your behalf. His body was broken for you. And then we're going we're gonna to pass out these broken pieces of bread. And it's a picture of how much Jesus has loved you. And, as we, and we're going to pass out little vials of, of juice. And Jesus on the night he was betrayed said, This is a picture of my blood. and what I'm going to, This new deal that I'm going to make with God between me and God that's going to provide uh, forgiveness of sins for you. So when you hold these elements this morning, and they go by, and you hold them in your hands, what you're going to be holding is is a picture of Jesus laying down his life for you. And we're going to worship Jesus for that, because that's what gives us forgiveness of sins and repaired relationship with God. We're going to be thankful, but, but it's also a picture, it's also a horizontal picture of how we're to love each other, because we know what love is. It's like a broken body and poured out blood. And because we know what love is, that's how we love each other. So we have both a vertical and a horizontal aspect to communion today. And so let me talk just a little bit about how we're going to do this. First of all, the purpose of communion is really just a time of remembering Jesus and His sacrifice for us and celebrating that. So it's not anything we do to earn points with God. It doesn't earn us grace. It's just a time of worship and remembrance. And. And uh, we really see at Trinity, we practice only two qualifications on on communion. One of those is we encourage everyone, we ask that everyone who takes communion uh, be a, a follower of Jesus, that you have in your heart and mind. You can point to a time in your life when you have turned to Jesus and asked him to become the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, when you've trusted him as the one that God sent. And so... That's, this is for people who have made that decision, and if you've made that decision, then you're welcome to participate. If you haven't, you haven't decided who Jesus is, then the best thing for you to do is just observe as we, as we worship and think about what all this means. Probably a pretty strange thing to uh, watch, and, uh, but, but know that Jesus' followers have done this for 2,000 years because it represents a, a life change that we've all experienced so that you be a Jesus follower. And secondly, the other qualification that that we uh, put on this is that this is for people who are Jesus followers who are not way out of alignment with where God wants them to be right now. If you, this morning, you know you are way out of alignment with what God wants, right thing for you to do is get that right first, and then you can worship God. God wants to be worshipped by people whose hearts are in alignment with Him. So this would be a great opportunity for you to take care of that and then you can participate next time. But if, if uh, you're here this morning and you fit these two qualifications, even if this is your first time here, we welcome you to participate. And if you're not comfortable doing that, you just pass the elements by, and that's fine. Uh, the other thing that, that uh, we'll do, let me go ahead and ask my, the guys who are going to be helping me, come on and, and have a seat. Thanks. Thanks. So here's, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to listen to a couple songs, and we're going to pass out both elements. We're going to do the bread and then the cup. And uh, we do it different every time, so you always have to listen. Uh, hang on to your bread. Hang on to your cup. When they pass out bread, hang on to it. When they pass out the cup, hang on to it. Because this is a family meal we're eating today. Okay, It's a family meal. At my house, you don't get to grab your fork and start eating till you know, Person who's servant sits down and we pray, and we're going to do that today. It's going to be a family meal. We're going to eat at the same time. All right. So uh, hang on to that, and then, then uh, once everyone has their bread and everyone has their cup, I'm going to come together and we're going to pray just like a family meal, and then we'll worship together. So that's how we'll do it. The other thing I'd like to encourage you to do is these guys are going to pass these elements by, and you're going to have the opportunity to. Hand this to the person beside you or hold it for the person beside you. And I just want to emphasize this horizontal aspect to our our time of worship today, that you're serving the person beside you. So serve them in some way, or at least have the attitude of serving them as you pass in that basket or as you hold it for them. Let's really serve each other as we enjoy uh, this special meal together as a family. Father, thanks for this time devoted to really just thinking about you, how you sent your Son, your one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we are the beneficiaries of that life. And we want to remember what Jesus did for us just like he asked us to, to remember him through this simple time of, of uh, symbolism. And so my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to us and reminding us that this is how we know what love is. And in the same way, we're to love each other. We pray it through Jesus. Amen.